Hey guys, welcome to the Stringer Podcast on the phone sessions, a shortened version of the show where I take my talking from the studio and instead do it on the phone because we're all trying to do our part to work from home and continue to physically distance. This week, I'm going to try to get new friend Katie Heindel on the line. Katie is the person I had hoped I would grow up to be with bylines for Rolling Stone Magazine, Vice, Dime, The Athletic, and so much more. We also teamed up with Katie and Sean Woodley recently to launch uh, Basketball, a hilariously absurd podcast about the NBA and basketball culture that dedicates a whole hour each week to bring you the gossip, the drama, the rumors, and the fashion. Not to mention, I think they've got a new segment this week to trying out, so check it out wherever you're listening to my voice now. All right, let's see if we can get Katie on the phone. I know she just stepped out to take her dogs for a walk, but hopefully she's back inside. On the phone, I have Katie Heindel, kind of. It took us a couple tries, didn't it, Katie? It did. It did. Worth the wait. It's worth the... <laughs> you're definitely worth the wait. It's uh, Friday everywhere, I guess. Well, obviously, it's Friday everywhere. That's a dumb saying. I mean, it's like it's affecting the brain as much as it's like a day on the calendar. It's Friday in our hearts. It's fr- it's always Friday in our hearts. How you holding up, pal? I'm all right. I think lately there's a new thing I've been feeling. This is going to sound way more depressing than I actually, I don't feel depressed, but lately my understanding of time of just like going day to day and you kind of have the same routine. Sometimes it's varied depending on like what you're working on or what you're doing, but you kind of like get from the beginning of the day to the end of the day and then you're going to sleep and you're like, well, same again tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> It's Groundhog Day, like kind of, yeah. The Bill and, Murray and Groundhog Day effect. A little bit, a little bit. I don't, and I don't know. It's just like a different awareness of of time, um, and so like that. I've been thinking about that more. Um, so I guess it's been getting to me in a different way, but I'm still doing all right. Have you been trying like anything to trick yourself? Like sometimes at first I was like, oh, I need a defined routine. That's going to help. And now it's like, no, no, no. I need to spice my routine up every once in a while just to kind of mix it up. Yeah, I definitely cycled through like the beginning part where you're like, oh, this feels good. I have like a relaxed morning routine. I'll make like a French press of coffee and like enjoy my slow morning. And now it's like, what's the morning? What's the afternoon? Like what's the evening? I mean, I have to... Yeah, time. Exactly. Nothing. I have two dogs. So like their routine is sort of like just not my routine now. I don't know if that's extremely depressing to say, but like it helps at least to like knock certain things in the day. And I mean, even before all this happened, like being predominantly a writer, my routine is like I have certain times where I work on things and I know I work a little bit better, but it's all pretty fluid. What I always appreciate about you and everything that I enjoyed your writing is your perspective. And this just gives like a new perspective to everything, even if it's just your dog's perspective. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have? They're just mutts. They're just like um, one's like a husky hound mix and one's just like a weird. I don't know what he is. He's like a spotty little might be like half hound, greyhound. He's like he's from Ohio. He's a he's a mess, but they're they're cute. <laughs> I had this little puppy one time and she was it looked as if you'd bred and I don't even know if this is possible, a German shepherd with a corgi. <laughs> and so be so she had the head 
of like this regal looking German shepherd and kind of that color down the spine a little bit, like towards the tail. But she had these tiny little like condo dog legs and everyone would be like, oh, she's so cute. What is she? And I'm like, oh, she's a dog. (laughs) And they look at me funny, but it's because, yeah, she was an absolute mutt. (laughs) I mean, the truest dogs are just dogs, you know, like whatever you think. When you picture in your head a dog, I always picture just like a real mixed up looking thing, but that's pretty cute. And I was going to say, like, all dogs are possible. Completely. (laughs) Yes. They know no bounds. Like they know Uh (laughs) that they know no race, no cultural divide. They're just there to like, you know, dog around. That's a bad Mm -hmm. saying. Whatever. (laughs) I thought, um, as I said, I've always enjoyed your perspective from your writing, and and that goes right in a way. The Basketball Feelings newsletter is almost the the personification of all of that because you give everything a really fresh new feel. I'm curious if we can spend a couple minutes exploring, like, and I know this is maybe pretentious to say, but like, where did you find your voice, or or oh. just where, where where did you kind of find your groove, and how early did you do you see that? developing because i enjoy your humor i enjoy your take on things a lot and i know that's like the culmination of a whole whack of things but i'm curious if you can kind of trace it back to to maybe when you're in school or your experiences after when you felt like you're really kind of pushing bounds a little bit or trying things that are more katie and and not conform to any certain specific type of way yeah i mean i think I've always written, like, since I was a little kid, um, like, always. And it's always been, like, really not genre-specific. Like, when I was a kid, I I was such a fantasy nerd, um, and I read a lot of fantasy novels. But I also read, like, any kind of novel, um, like, any kind of genre. Uh, And I think with writing, like, writing, I always kind of looked at it as something I did because I always did it. So it was something I, I naturally would just kind of do on the side, regardless of like whatever my career was at any given moment, especially as like they kind of for a long time, those those things sort of diverged and developed separately. But I always found in a lot of the places I, I worked, like even after school, I mean, you said school, but school, like I went to university, I went to Dow for two years and I just sort of like did general arts, like whatever. Then I did transfer to Concordia to get into the creative writing program, but it was sort of useless. I found cause like a lot of the kids I was in school with, I had taken two years off. So I had like lived on my own and moved around a bit. And you know, the kids in that program were like 18, like coming to school. Right. Bright eyed, like, bushy tail, <laughs> inexperienced. Well, I mean, I don't want to be, everybody's got their own experience, but it was definitely like, it's a workshop it was like a workshop based program. So kind of like you have to get into like the right groove with your professors. Like they have to like your writing. And then you also sort of have to respect and like the writing of the people you're in classes with. But a lot of them, I mean, I still remember like some of the, I mean, like a poetry workshop. One of them was just like, I'm here smoking on my balcony. My parents, (laughs) my parents aren't going to stop me now. Like that was, I mean, not verbatim, but that was, that was one of the poems. And I was like, oh, you have to, you, and you have to do, you have to be honest in your critiques, but you just can't like tear people apart. But, you know, I, I think I just ended up feeling a lot like what, this isn't going to actually be useful to my writing. Like I'm not going to learn a lot out of this. So it kind of felt a bit like a ripoff. Cause I think I've always found more experience of just like, 
getting really close to the things I want to write about and just like figuring out as I go, which I know isn't like a very, like very good technical advice, but, um, like when I worked at Vice and did like all their events, I still wrote for them. And like, I found that to be like a really good initial kind of outlet because it, it, my voice sort of naturally fit. I mean, now I feel like that's, I'm not even being ironic and like, <laughs> you know, being like, yeah, I had the vice voice. But at that point, <laughs> I don't think it was really anything. It could have been anything, you know, it was like still such a new, a new thing. Um, and then as they gradually sort of like developed other verticals, like vice sports came around, I left, but then like ended up coming back to like not working there again, but approaching them again to write for vice sports. And same way, like the only sports I've ever really followed and loved were like show jumping, which I did. I was like a competitive show jumper for really? part of my life. Yes. No. Uh, way. And basketball. So, like, I, again, the only thing I just, I gravitated towards the things I loved a lot and it seemed like I wanted to write about them. I mean, the basketball. Writing about basketball is a little less clear to me because I think, you know, initially I started writing fan fiction um, in like a really more, I don't even know. I guess it technically is fan fiction, but I wouldn't call it that because I wasn't like writing about players I loved. I was writing about like, you know, like Halloween, very like Halloween horror story <laughs> type things where like Paul Pierce is a vampire or like you got to launch Jason Kidd into space because he's such a shitty guy uh, and that's the only way you can destroy him. So like I was, I started doing that for a website called The Classical, which is sort of how I became aware of like a different, I guess, genre of like online sports writing, which was just kind of like weird sports writing, which I felt like fit my voice at least like what it was developing. And then I remember the first time I ever thought like, oh, could I actually do sports, like do sports writing, like write it, not, not write as, as a joke is when I approached like Blake Murphy at, at Raptors Republic. And now it's funny. Cause now I know like there's no such thing really as a tryout, but I was so nervous and like I pitched him quite professionally and like sent him like some, I thought like at the time pretty clean copy. And he was like, yeah, okay, like we'll, we'll give this a go. And now it's like, I know <laughs> the place is just kind of like now, especially it's a bit like a free for all, you know? Um, but at the time I was like, wow, this is crazy. But then I also realized so much of sports writing and sports media and like sports talk, like being on the radio so much and podcasts now, it's like, it's just posturing. And I think there's still, unfortunately, this barrier, especially for women or like, you know, diverse voices coming in that are like, there's gatekeeping and, and you feel like you need to be extra qualified when you realize like, you don't really. And I think like the the best thing for me was like with basketball feelings and a lot of other writing and outlets that I've found or have since found me, it's realizing like actually the best thing you could do is to lean extremely hard into what your specific at first, which might seem like a detractor, like for me, I guess like being really vulnerable, like really exploring feelings, being really, you know, dumb at times and also funny and just trying to balance it. Like that's my voice. And to like realize that's not really happening in a lot of other places, but to lean extremely hard into it. And then, you know, from there, a lot of opportunities just sort of exploded. I'm going to, I'm going to go back a little bit. You said you were, you, you had written as a child for as long as you could remember. Were you a uh -huh. journaler or a short story <laughs> creator? What was your, what was your thing? Yeah. I, I mean, I did both. I've always had like, I always had journals growing up. And I think that was like something my parents, like, you know, my mom 
always made sure I had new notebooks and new journals. And I think that was like a really, now I realize a, and books, like books to read, but that was a way to really encourage it. Cause I was a kid who was always like, I had a lot of friends, but I also love being alone and I still do. So I think it's just like, you need time by yourself if you want to write and explore like those parts of yourself. But it felt really natural for me to do that. So journaling, I guess like you don't know when you're a kid that you're journaling, <laughs> but I think I probably like dramatic, like I've read, I've read, it's like cringy to read them, but like, you know, I really dramatized a lot of my life <laughs> in my journals, but I guess it's also like the, the, the lens that I saw certain things through. Um, and then writing, I, I wrote like, I straight up wrote like fantasy novels, um, <laughs> but that no one will read, uh, and are still on like discs somewhere at my parents' house. Um, and then I don't know, I just like wrote stories, just like weird little stories since I was a kid, like about people or animals or just like, I don't know, I, what did I, once I submitted a story, I think in like junior high about like school was like squirrels, zombie squirrels that like took over the this the the junior high school and like killed all of my friends and I named them in the story, but it was like funny, uh, like funny enough that the the teachers weren't like, "Is are you okay?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the Katie we know was born. <laughs> I guess uh, I journaled. I journaled from a young age, and when I look back at them, and it was always like, I have so many of the exact same notebook because I for in my head I wanted the exact same journal that just mm -hmm. kept going and I was always writing every day I'd write a page and I look back at it and I didn't even need to wait that long when I started looking back at them or when I found like or I heard my mom found them I was worried because it's definitely how I want to remember my life not how my life actually went if that <laughs> makes sense yeah but that, you know, when I watched uh, my short story development and how I started, you know, in through high school and through my late teens, started writing fiction, it was all based, like, you could see the progression from my journal to then building out a little bit bigger world and, and creating these scenarios that you like a little bit more. And then I get into, you know, when I moved into film or script writing I can see that progression all the way along because I'm like, oh, I've been telling stories my whole life or trying to relate to people my whole life just by kind of creating this more elaborate situation to be like, oh, see, and then you would understand this part because you went through that as well. And I just keep building on that um, on that foundation that I can point all the way back to when I was like seven sitting in my room each night lying to my journal. <laughs> lying to my journal. <laughs> I also think not to be like, Oh, all children. I mean, some kids are liars and I, like, I definitely like tested that out when I was a kid too, but there is also something to be said for like the way you interpret things as a kid and like Completely. kids sometimes like say the weirdest shit and you're like, did this happen? But like it, it, it came from somewhere. And like, I think a lot of that, depending on what age you are is like, yeah, experimenting with your imagination and, and sort of like setting your own boundaries. But there is something to be said when you're like, a, like a preteen or a teenager to like the way you start to interpret the world. And when you start to realize that your interpretation is going to be different than your friends or your family, but like past that, that that's okay. And at some points, like, you know, that could be like 
your strong suit, right? And to not shy away from that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we ever know. Like I, I, I remember being when I f- got through my first media job and I was like 18, 19 and I got out of there. I'm like, Oh, I have so much to learn. And then I get like into my time at Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. And then I'm kind of, you know, I got in as a writer and then I moved into television and I'm like, oh, I have so much to learn. And then all I remember, all I realize now more and more is how good everyone else seems to be and how humbled I am. Like just, you know, you mentioned Blake Murphy, who's a mutual friend and, and, and watching his talent and then watching, you know, how seamlessly you and Woodley are able to interact with each other and tell such great stories. I'm like, man, I'm just so lucky to be, I I feel like the, 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 the group, you know, and us in Toronto being kind of a cultural center, seeing this, the, 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 I hate the term new media, but there's no better way to put it. Kind of this, like this new group replaced those gatekeepers because you're completely right. When I got into sports media as well, it felt like there was like, the insiders and the outsiders and i was never one of the on the ins on the inside yeah i mean there still are and i think even within new media like we're all pretty friendly and i think we know each other but i try i try like since i've realized i'm now in a kind of place of gatekeeping weirdly weirdly i mean it, it feels strange to be there but like to try and do whatever i can to like either make myself accessible or try and like be clear about certain like tangible pathways you can take because I think a part of gatekeeping that maybe people aren't even aware that they're doing it and I know I have done it in the past is like when you're kind of vague about what how you got from point A to B or like you're like oh it just happened or I had some connections and like that very well may be what happened but if you can kind of look at it try and look at it more linearly in a way that's like actually going to be useful for someone also because like the way you what what I realized was that like pretty quickly was like a lot of my work experience outside of media and like writing kind of primed me to be, I guess like a better, I hate this word too, but like a networker. (laughs) Right. Yeah. This is going to be a podcast filled with words we hate. (laughs) Yeah. basically. Never want to use again, (laughs) but like to establish those connections because I'm, I'm happiest when I know a lot of people across a lot of different like avenues. I wouldn't ever want to just be like, I'm just in media and I don't know about the world outside of this or like know a lot of people outside of it because like, that's just not interesting to me. Like I'm happiest when I know like kind of what's going on in any in any given different sort of like sector in the city, you could say. And I mean, like, I know for me, I, that's reflected in like the day jobs I've sort of held down. Gatekeeping, especially in like sp- sports media, I think like this generation, like people like Blake, you know, um, people like Will, Will Lou, and like, I think they're in their positions a little bit just because like they were doing this for so long and they've sort of like built up their audience and built up their voices, but now they're in positions where they, they are going to become gatekeepers if not sort of already are, but they're so much more open. And I think a lot of it just has to do with like information sharing and idea sharing. And perhaps it's like, we've all been more accustomed to writing online than offline with like some, you know, more like tenured writers. Though like, I don't also want to knock gate, like, older writers because like Doug Smith is like a wonderful man and has been like so helpful and so encouraging to like me always I mean he can be a bit curmudgeonly but that's also like part of his <laughs> that's just Charm. who he is yeah. yeah um you know but like I think for me 
the, the reason too why I like to keep it so open and like not limit myself, whether it's like who I'm meeting or if we're talking about industries or whatever, is because it it keeps this like sort of joy and excitement running through everything I do. And I never want to get to the point where I'm writing and it's like a chore, right? Or I'm like, oh, like I have this like weekly, like like self-isolation watch, for example, the column that I have. Like sometimes I'm like, oh man, I gotta like go through these guys' Instagrams like every day. But then I'm like, this isn't, like, come on, you know, like look at what this is gonna actually amount to and what I will write about from all this. And like to have that opportunity, you know, I don't ever want to take it for granted. Some days you just are like, oh, I feel a little bit depleted. And and I don't want to do anything. And like writing is tough because it requires like so many different creative muscles at once. But yeah, I don't know. I just like, I would never want to get to a point where I'm like, I don't know anyone actually like this. So I, this isn't like, I'm not like, like hinting at it, but you know, like a, I always think of like kind of a burnt out, like beat writer who just like hates the team that they're covering and like hates all the people around. And it's just like, Oh, this, like, like I, that to me is like horrifying, you know? <laughs> So we've we've witnessed this is might be a little dramatic, but over the last thirty <laughs> years we've witnessed the gradual slow slow death of print media, mm-hmm. right? And I I would point all the way back to the nineties because I I some of my older colleagues that I've worked alongside have walked me through the nineties and showed me how things started getting tighter and rooms started getting smaller and 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 what was required of writers started getting more. Do you think maybe? I'll say our generation sees more opportunity than let's say those who were working through the nineties and the early aughts, because we just, we had to walk into a world that was just wrought with a million different places you could go. Even maybe you're writing for $3, but you have, you see all these opportunities out there where those who came before us maybe just saw like, the two national newspaper or three national newspapers and then watch how they cut their budgets. I don't know if I would say it translates as like more opportunities because it doesn't always, but I do think like in our sort of generation of like producers or whatever, like media producers, which sounds so depressing, but like creatives, (laughs) how about creatives? I hate that word too, but you know, there, there we go. There Um, are no good words. (laughs) No. Um, I think it's that we looked at more nonlinear paths or like more opportunities, right? We're so used to kind of like creating our own luck and like creating our own opportunities out of just like gaps, right? And like recognizing gaps. But that comes from, you know, growing up in kind of a culture where we've always been like one step behind in terms of like opportunities. So like we, we for the most part, haven't really been handed things And we're not going to stay in one job and we're not going to work our way up in like a newspaper, you know, to become like a a senior writer from like a junior reporter or something or like to a columnist, I guess is like the was the older ideal, you know, now it's like, no, I think for like for me, at least the best opportunity is to like have my name, have as many bylines as possible because exposure is such a powerful tool. And I think just the way that we like 
share stories and share information. Like it all happens online. So, you know, to do that, you, you've got to, you've got to like, that's got to translate to like eyeballs and clicks and all that stuff. But like, that's still real as much as it's like a bummer, like that's still real. So I don't think, I don't know, maybe we are better at recognizing what could be opportunities out of like scarcity, you know, but I, and like kind of like doing, doing the most with the least instead of just say, saying like, okay, like I've, if I work really hard at this one thing, then I'll like have some security and like I'll hone my craft and hone my craft. Like we're still honing our crafts, I think. But right now the difference is like, you know, you can decide to be a writer, but then also like have podcasts and like go on TV. So you're still honing your own, you're like writing, but you're getting media experience. Then you might get really interested in like the back end of production, you know, and the more creative side of things. So like we, we don't really just stay in one, I guess, traditional role, you know, we're kind of more interested, I think in like all of the offshoots you know, like look at your career. Like this, that's kind of what happened, right? You, you like started as one thing, but you realize maybe you're good or you're drawn to something else, and you sort of just followed that, and it kind of naturally flowed. And that's not because you didn't have like obstacles, and you weren't many times probably like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, it's just like you, you created like opportunities for yourself. So. I don't know if I don't know if there's more or less, right? Like we're always hearing there's less. And I guess there's less stability in terms of like outlets. Like definitely I what I've realized is since I've started sports writing is like, especially for weirder sports writing, those outlets have definitely shrunk, if not almost all gone away. And like I have noticed that. And like that's a huge bummer, you know, with like by sports, dead spin, um, all those kind of places disappearing and nothing coming out like nothing new coming out you're sort of like okay what's gonna happen and then I guess that's where you kind of go into newsletters and like is that gonna be like sort of the next thing for writing but I don't know I think we're just like we're not we're maybe we're less comfortable resting because we've never really had a resting state (laughs) so we're we're always ready to like look to the next thing that's kind of depressing though (laughs) (laughs) we just we can't (laughs) Shut our eyes, must not sleep. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's like it's like the 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 mice and the butter, um, or the mice <laughs> mice and the cream, and you just got to keep going, keep going. Hopefully, at one point, you turn it into butter. Uh, I think that was from <laughs> Catch Me If You Can. I think it was Christopher Walken's line. Now that I'm saying it out loud, you brought up bylines, and it'll be the last thing I, I touch on because you have bylines with Vice, with Rolling Stone, with Dime, with The Athletic. Does for an outsider, when they're like, oh, Katie Heindel, Rolling Stone, there, I, I can imagine, you know, there's there's a certain level of honor or prestige, but I also know when you're on the inside of it, it's kind of a job and, and you're happy to get it and you're like, wicked, I get to write something for Rolling Stone. But as soon as you accomplish it, it's now something in your rearview mirror. Like it's not something you, you, you are... Or are doing again or that's in front of you and I'm always motivated on all the challenges that are in front of me and I kind of leave in the wake everything that I've worked on is there one do you have you know is there one that you're like no 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 clay I still wear this one as a badge of honor or with a bit of pride or 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 can you relate to that idea that those things that are behind you are just behind you and you're always moving forward um yeah no I definitely have experienced that with 
bylines. And I always kind of chide myself or maybe feel a little bit guilty because I never want it to feel so fleeting as like, okay, check mark, like, you know, that's that's behind me now. Um, but I guess like you, I am all, I'm looking forward always to kind of the next target. And I, I mean, I'm always like, no, I don't really set goals, but I guess I set goals by like identifying the next sort of like a, a place I want to write for. Yeah. The mm-hmm. next challenge, I guess. And, but that is, that is goal setting. Um, so <laughs> we just, we just called it something different because yeah. we want, we want to be difficult as a generation. <laughs> Basically. Um, I think I have realized, like I realized pretty early on, like there's ones, there's places you can kind of target, um, and that maybe you're not really ready for. So I think I've, I've maybe saved myself some like heartbreak by not, by sort of maybe, and also maybe I could have hit them a lot earlier, but I would sort of like set myself up and, and be like, okay, I'm going to write these places and then I'll approach this big, this big goal. And like Rolling Stone was like that for me. Like I had always wanted to write for them, even like since I was a kid. Cause I like, oh, I mean, I, I liked their writing and reporting and music coverage. And I just thought like in terms of long form I mean, at the, it, when I was younger, I wasn't like, oh, I love long-form journalism. <laughs> but, like, the storytelling of it, yeah. it appealed to me. And, like, the voices that they were kind of, like, promoting, right? So, yeah, that's when I still, like, um, I don't, like, I still, I, I don't know. Probably I should take that out because I haven't written for them for a, a couple years. But, like, <laughs> I should probably not, like, think about that byline anymore. But I do. And I think, like, you got to sort of have points of pride and like badges that you, you repolish, you know, like that's otherwise I think you do forget like all the different steps that you took and like maybe how hard it was and how nervous and like good nervous it was when you like heard back that for me, it was like, yeah, we'll take this and being like, oh shit, like I'm, I'm at this level now where I can right there, you know, like those are, it's important to always sort of remind yourself of that. Cause like writing and, and just being, I think in the creative field as, as much as you're surrounded by other people, it's pretty solitary. Um, and like, no, you don't have a boss really being like, good work. Like, hopefully you have great editors who are like, this is great. Thank you. And like work with you. But a lot of the times, like it's, you're on your own. Right. So I think it's important to like, hang on to the things that still like mean something to you. And like me not to feel bad if it's like a little bit <laughs> more in the rear view. <laughs> When describing the new podcast that you have with Woodley, uh, basketball, uh, I've called it, I've referred to it of being all the absurd sides of sports or of the Mm -hmm. game uh, of basketball. And I hope that isn't in an offensive way at all or taken offensively. But I love I love that voice. I love that ability to look at things a little bit off from center. And I think in all of our conversations leading up. Um, I hope I did what I could to encourage that because that's what I truly love about your voice that you have uh, is your your ability to kind of spin things a little bit and have fun with it and, and and truly find the joy in in what you do by communicating these stories to us through it in word. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. It wasn't a question. It was just a really really long comment. No, I thank you. And I, I mean another thing that can't be like taken for granted I think is like when you find the people that you work well with for whatever reason to really pay attention to that you know um like because I think sometimes you can get too caught up in like 
meeting people and like, where's this person and can this person help me? But sometimes it, the best stuff comes out of just like doing what you like with, with other people who understand that or like, you know, you both like the same thing and you create really strange stuff because then out of that, like could come something like this, you know, like a basketball, which I think was like, we were just riffing. Like, I think we were all riffing like on what it could be. And I think I still think of like what it's going to become is going to be so different <laughs> than like how we've started. And I'm so right. excited about that. But like that just came from, you know, a bunch of like minds being like, oh, we really want to do this. Should we try it? Okay. Yeah, you know? we should. Yeah. This yeah. is fun. <laughs> this is fun. This is interesting. This is hilarious. This is different. And then just kind of letting that uh, experimentation kind of be our our flag that, that we're going towards. Yeah. If there wasn't, and it is definitely Friday brain. I, I can't find a worse <laughs> way to sum things up. I hope people still listen to the podcast after yeah, I, after, I, this? I after I promote it like that. They're like, um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, basketball. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're good. I promise you, Katie, to keep to 30 minutes. I hope next time we, we do this, we're able to do it face to face, uh, sitting down because the, the whole like over, I know you have recorded a lot of podcasts just kind of like, it from a remote location i'm not used to it i'm still trying to get into it i'm a little bit bumpy but i hope next <laughs> time we do this we're able to do it uh, across the table from each other you have good like i feel like your your pacing is is really good oh thank you look You're at welcome. this we're, we're just here to support each other we are we're just like extremely extremely supportive <laughs> that is the new generation of reporters <laughs> in the city or so we're dubbing <laughs> ourselves. You know what? I hate that word too. Uh, reporters? <laughs> reporters? Qu I secretly uh, reporters. like it because I feel like that's how maybe my parents like try and describe what I do to people. They don't really know either, but you know. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just try, yeah, to put one foot. No, I'm going to. I blew that ending. On that. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm going to kick my feet up and we're going to yep. <laughs> end here. <laughs> Happy Friday. Uh, uh, this has been enjoyable starting from you locking yourself out of the house all the way right through to me not being able to close off a podcast. I hope you have an excellent weekend. And thank you. Uh, thank we're not you for closers. Your we're not closers. That's okay. We always we're just want to keep the combo going. We're thought starters. <laughs> we're not uh -huh. thought closers. Exactly. Whoa. Thank you. This Thanks for your time. Very fun. <laughs> we're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. Please check the number and try your call again. <laughs> <laughs>